Welcome back to Basecamp. It's sort of our second season of this podcast. We're going to be diving into the discussion on parenthood. Now, like our Christians in the Workplace episodes, these ones rely heavily upon the kindness of Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., who has made this resource available for churches like ours to disciple our people. And so we are incredibly in their debt. If there's anything good that you get from this podcast, then the praise goes to God and to the good people of Capitol Hill. So let's turn now to the discussion on parenthood by beginning to talk through God's purpose for the family. So firstly, what is the significance of the family? A story has been told of two young fish. They are swimming along and they pass an older fish swimming in the opposite direction. He nods at them and says, good morning, boys. How's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit. And eventually one of them looks over at the other and says, what's water? (laughs) And the point of the story is that the most obvious important realities are often the ones that are the hardest to see and to articulate. As George Orwell put it, to see what is in front of one's nose is a constant struggle. (laughs) I like that. And this, of course, is a biblical truth as well. The book of Proverbs tells us that wisdom must be searched for as a hidden treasure. Uh, Proverbs 2, 4. Though it calls out on the heights and beside the gates leading into the city, Proverbs 8, 1, 3. And so in this episode and the ones that are following, we're going to set a foundation of seeing the water, or, or trying to, trying to see the water that we're swimming in, understanding that the family is one of those hidden in plain view kind of treasures, great gifts that God has given us. And to see this, we're going to look at the connection between marriage and parenting, and then we're going to look at God's purpose in ordaining families. And so to start this conversation, let's examine three common views from the world around us about parenthood. If you were to look at how the world talks about parenthood, for example, you'd hear from some people that having children is maybe ideal, but it's optional. Parenthood is kind of a means for married people to find self-fulfillment. And that's an interesting view because it really sees kids as an idol, I-D-O-L, <laughs> not like from our Christian in the Workplace study uh, of being idle, uh, but an in, in, in idol. Because these men and women falsely believe that children can help you find self-fulfillment, which they cannot. You have to be a parent for approximately three minutes to know that they they cannot. All right, maybe longer than that, but you get what I mean. Kids don't have the ability to do that. And this is what leads some parents to actually worship the idea of parenthood. Others, even, even some of the church, would say that maybe having kids is important because families are the foundation of civilized society or the building blocks of the church. And this is the view of children as a tool, something to be used to accomplish their plans and purposes. Still others, again, even some in the church, would say, or at least think, that having kids is not really that important. It, in fact, can show a lack of ambition and actually be a barrier to accomplishment or to valuable service. And that actually sees kids as an obstacle. Think about that for a moment. Do you view, either consciously or subconsciously, children as uh, an idol? or a tool, or as an obstacle. 
Next, I'd like for us to consider God's view of parenthood. And now we, we don't, we don't want to merely dismiss these ideas out of hand, but instead we want to really look carefully at what God says. And obviously we can't exhaust all of God's purposes for the family in a single podcast episode, but, but I think we can establish this much. Scripture teaches that a primary purpose of the family is nothing less than presenting the whole world with a series of three images. God's triune nature, who he is as God. Uh, uh, the next image is the gospel. And then the third is the church. So, so let me say that again. Scripture teaches that a primary purpose of the family is nothing less than presenting the whole world with a series of three images. God's nature, the gospel, and the church. See, in the family, God has embedded these pictures of himself and his plan of salvation, the gospel, and what is the relationships of his redeemed people look like, the church. And you might be wondering, well, where do we find this purpose in the Bible? And so we, we need to start with a biblical connection between marriage and having children. Notice one of the first things that God does for Adam. He creates a helper suitable for him, a woman that he will later name Eve. Then notice the very first command that God gives to this brand new family unit. Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> See that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Have kids. And this is not just a pre-fall ordinance. No, no, God tells Noah the same thing after the flood. If you remember Genesis chapter 9, verse 7, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. And in talking about marriage, we, we need to be clear about one important thing. Some people in our church are blessed with the gift of singleness. We see Paul talk about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, for example. So not everyone will get married, and, and not everyone should. And there aren't two tiers of Christian faithfulness, the marrieds and the singles. No, we have one another in a church, both marrieds and singles, and, and that's a good thing. So firstly, let me just note, not everyone is going to get married. And then, secondarily, others in God's mysterious providence are unable to have kids when they do get married. And some will choose to adopt children into their home, and others will choose to disciple younger brothers and sisters, kids like mine, and leverage their lives to come alongside of families in our church to help us disciple our kids for the glory of God. But I need to say it again. There isn't a secondary sliding scale of faithfulness for couples that adopt or couples that don't adopt, couples that have kids and couples that don't have kids. And yet for most married couples, God will bring about children. And we love kids around our church. Their sounds during the gathering, they're running around afterwards and dressing up in costumes just for fun and running around like jaguars and leopards. <laughs> All right, maybe that's just my kids. But, but, but kids are a gift of God. We are commanded to multiply as his people. And you might wonder, why is God so insistent that humans multiply? And the answer is found when we consider that he created Adam and Eve in his image. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. What a fascinating thing. He wants his image bearers to multiply because he wants more of his image spread throughout the world for his glory and our good. And he decided to graciously share the privilege of creating humans made in his image with us. Isn't that wild? He didn't need to, but we get to join him in this work. The theologian Bruce Ware, who is actually one of my uh, professors in school at Southern, he writes this in his book, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
It is as if God said, I created the first and original pair of human beings in my very image, and I could continue creating them unilaterally so that you would have no part to play. But instead, you are now to bring about human beings. You are to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with my greatest of all creations, humans made in my very image. That's kind of remarkable if you think about it, isn't it? God commanded Adam and Eve and us to bear and multiply his image in part by procreation. But God was not finished. He also gave the multiplying family massive significance in the history of redemption. We see this most immediately in the family of Abraham, whose lineage and whose family God used to point to his plan of salvation for the nations. We see that in Genesis 26 and Galatians 3 and Galatians 4. And we also see this in the New Testament, especially as Paul shows how husbands and wives resemble Christ in the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. And there are still more portraits embedded in the family, portraits that display, as we'll see, God's triune self and the gospel and the church. But we need to pause here and just think about one thing. And that's about how sin enters the scene in our view of parenthood and family. I mean, after all, both Satan and our culture, and even us in our many, many sins, we mar our families and distort their ability to show and image forth God correctly to the world, don't we? And, and at this, this point in the discussion, you might, you might hear about, about how families are supposed to reflect God, the gospel, and the church, and you think about your own life, and you might think, well, man, my, <laughs> my family might be a portrait of something, but it's not God, the gospel, or the church. Well, that's exactly the point. The very fact that we know that something is wrong is telling, isn't it? Our, our, our bad experience held up to God's beautiful standard works like a, like a photo negative to reveal the outlines of God's design. It's true that, as J.I. Packer puts it, we often form a positive vision of the family by contrast. He says that in his wonderful book, Knowing God, on page 203. We, we know what is right by seeing how wrong we are and, and longing for that which could be. So the key here is not to dismiss these pictures as unattainable and so they're irrelevant, but rather to embrace and revel in them and aim for them also, we should not become discouraged by the fact that our families don't live up to God's ideal for the family. I, I walk through this all the time. I mean, when I, when I don't treat my wife and my kids as I ought, when I, when I get frustrated and upset, when I get hangry, you know, instead of imaging forth the gospel through my marriage and through my relationship with my kids, I, I image forth sinfulness and brokenness. And I need to repent and, and ask them and God for forgiveness. And so in our families, it's easy to see in those relationships that we are complete sinners. <laughs> Am I right? Like we can fool other people into thinking wonderful things about us, but our family sees us at our worst. And that's why we love the gospel and rely on it for every area of life. Truly, as Tim Keller explains, we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. So get excited about God's purpose as the embodiment of what we know deep down our families need. And then we should trust in God's ability to redeem our families and to make them images of eternal truths. And that's, that's all for now for our first discussion on parenthood. But we'll be back in the next few days with our second episode. Where we're going to talk about how the family is central to God's revelation of himself, his plan for salvation, the gospel, and the church.
looking forward to it.